of Colonial Baptist Church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Joining us today to talk about the essential of community is Pastor Brent Belford, Thomas Swope, and Ben Kilcup. Welcome, guys. How are we doing today? Doing really well. Doing Thanks great. for asking. So, so special. maybe a little bit of an ironic episode, seeing the uh, time in which we are in during the COVID pandemic. We're talking about community today. Does anybody, did anybody else find that ironic? Yeah, it's kind of hard to really engage in community right now, other than from a distance, I guess. It definitely forces you to think creatively about how you're going to do community. Zoom. Oh, don't say Zoom. <laughs> so tired of Zoom. Zoom community. <laughs> ah. well, we should come up with like a Zoom Unity. Zoom unity. I'm sure there's some kind oh, of word. Zoomity. <laughs> Zoomity. Ah, anyway, yeah. So, but we will press on nonetheless because uh, community is essential to us. We hold it as one of the four essentials that we have. And so we, we want to spend some time today answering mainly just two questions. So, you know, maybe it'll be a really short episode. Probably not, but uh, two questions. What is community and why is community important or why is it essential at Colonial? So, um, how would we define community? All right, let me start. I'm going to get uh, uh, kind of a formal definition out there and then a few descriptive phrases we use. I think then we're going to go to scripture, which would be most important. So I'll try to make this first part a little quicker. Uh, regarding a formal definition, there's a book that we uh, have passed out to the staff, uh, to our deacon fellowship here. It's something we actually plan on giving to our church fellowship too. A great book on community written by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlap. The book is called Compelling Community. Um, and so in that book, they give a definition. We've slightly modified it. Here's our definition of community. Community uh, is the mutual commitment or partnership that we experience uh, that transcends all natural bonds because of our commonality in Jesus Christ. So it's this partnership that believers experience that goes beyond any natural connections or ties that we have with one another and brings us together because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. I just love the, the second part of that definition that you just quoted, Brent. When I read through the compelling community, I think you mentioned we, we read through it as a staff. That was a concept that just blew my mind. It was so helpful that... Um, the community that we're trying, we're seeking to establish at Colonial, um, it, it centers around Jesus in such a way that we ought to be able to have nothing else in common. Mm -hmm. And yet we love being with each other because we have Jesus in common. And, and they go on in the book to just uh, explain that, that that is the kind of relationships and community that speaks loudly to the world around you that says something is remarkable here. Something is different about what they have in common. Yeah. It's not common that, um, you know, there's someone we have absolutely nothing in common with, you know, you know, sometimes there's something we can relate on. Yeah. We both love yeah. this or both have this. However, I think the point is awesome that yeah, yeah. even in those situations where we can't really feel much in common with someone that, you know, the gospel brings a unity and a partnership that's just deeper than all of them. Yeah. And that isn't, I think they, they also give a helpful balance that it isn't to say that natural um, commonality is a bad thing. Right. For right. example, we have a youth group mm -hmm. and, and that's built based on natural commonality. Right. Um, but if, if you boil it down and that's, that's what makes us special mm -hmm. is that we're all teens. Yeah. Um, then we've completely missed the point. Yeah. Um, so that's great. 
I love I love in that idea. He talks about, you know, think about the the experience you have when you meet someone who's like from your hometown yeah. when you're like far yeah, away. Right. Yeah. Or imagine the connection you have with someone when you're like, oh, we have we share the same sports team. Oh, we love the exact same hobby and we're both enthusiasts. Or oh, we play the same musical instrument. Or oh, like we you know, have whatever in yeah, common. Yeah, I think of like even two people have come from the same country. Yes. Uh, to a, a a different country, and just when they when they hear, you know, we're both from this land, this country. There's just that natural instant vibe. kinship. And then yeah. you know, even with like in a family, you know, it's what makes family so strong is all of your shared experiences yeah. and history. Right. Right. And I think it's just mind blowing when when they're you know they're saying, like the community we have with any brother or sister in Christ has like more potential for depth and fullness than any of those other things that we could have in common with people, which is like incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think that natural, um, the, the family idea is I think one step closer to the idea of, of true community in that we didn't pick our siblings mm. and yet we've been forced to get along with each other in one sense. And, and that, there's, there's pictures Hopefully. of failures in that or, or successes in that. Yeah. Um, that, that but, but in Christ, we chose to be a part of this family and we willingly chose to embrace all these people. That reminds me of some conversations. I remember kind of walking into my first year at Colonial with some older members who'd been here for a while. And I remember hearing two different people comment to the fact that it was like during uh, maybe around Christmas or Thanksgiving. And this made the comment that this is their true family, Amen. that in their particular situation, they felt closer to brothers and sisters in Christ than they did even to their physical family in other places. That's so sweet to hear. That is. And, that's, yeah. and I think that's what, a, as a pastoral staff, we would pray that's really for our sweet. family, <laughs> for our church family, that they would actually feel that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially in, in our area where we have so many people who move in and out too mm -hmm. because of military or other, other businesses. Um, it, this is a, an important point for people who live far away from their from their physical family, yeah. that they, they find um, kinship and closeness in the body of Christ. Mm. So that's kind of Colonial's adapta adaptation of Dever and Dunlop's definition. Yeah. But like, where do you, what about scripture? How, would, how does scripture define community? What are some texts that starts to get us to that point? So uh, my, my favorite passage uh, when it comes to community, the one that my mind immediately goes to is uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And it kind of focuses in verses one through sixteen, and I don't have, I won't take time to uh, to read it all, but uh, Paul begins by uh, encouraging the Ephesians toward unity, to work toward unity, and he says in verse four, because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. And then from there, he goes to, to describe the diversity of gifts uh, that Christ has given to his church. And he goes on and, and says, uh, because of that diversity, Christ uses that diversity to create maturity in his people, so that you would not be children, but that you would grow up into the full stature of Christ. And, uh, and then he says later on, in uh, verse, he says in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so that diversity of gifts 
helps us grow into maturity, and we grow to maturity by speaking the truth in love uh, to each other. And he, he uses this phrase, the whole body makes itself grow in love. And so I think it's just a, it's a great uh, passage that just kind of uh, reminds us that we are a community. Like God, Christ has made us a community in him if we're in Christ. And so then we get to actually live that out in real time, in actual concrete acts of love and honesty and speaking yeah. the word to one another. Yeah, yeah. Per- pursuing one another in love and good works. Yes. The way we like to say it at Colonial. Yep. Right, yeah. Using your, your gifts in the body to strengthen one another. And just had a great conversation with a member today about how he can use his gifts to strengthen people in the body. It's so encouraging when you see members that committed to one another in community. They're thinking, how can I identify and refine my gifts so that God can use them at Colonial Baptist Church. So exciting to me to, yeah. to hear that. I think, you know, some people might, you know, be listening and say, like, community, that's kind of a new term to call this. You know, maybe it's been called fellowship in times right, past. Right. But, you yeah. know, what's a community? It's a people who have some kind of shared interest or some yeah. kind of, you know, shared goal or something, either right. because they're in the same location or because they share the same passion or whatever. Yeah. Is that correct? Like, how, you know? Oh, yeah. And when I, when I think of community, uh, for some reason, it, it, you guys might think this word sounds a little old, but I like the word partnership as well. I think that kind of grasps some of what community means, that it's not just a group coming together with no commitment to one another, yeah. uh, but that, you, you know, we're partners yeah. uh, in Christ. Yeah. I, um, so the maybe the word that we're more familiar with, like you mentioned, Ben, fellowship. fellowship yeah. One of the things that helps me... Um, dust that word off, if you will, <laughs> is if I imagine in the terms of, in, in the Lord of the Rings, there was the fellowship of the ring. <laughs> they were a fellowship that were joined to accomplish a task, to, a, to, to a go task. destroy yeah. the, the one ring. It's yeah. more than potlucks. So, so it's and, not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, I'm fellowshipping with somebody. No, 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 no. It, it's a partnership, a, a community. So when we say community, you know, some people might say it's not really in the Bible. You know, Paul's not talking about community. But that's a word that we're using. We'll just call it koinonia. How's yeah, that? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that word's in the Bible. No one knows, knows what it means. But. Yeah, yeah. But okay, I think I think that's, yeah. that's helpful. Um, so community, you know, maybe we're starting to see what it is, but why is it important? Like, why is it up there with text, worship, mission? Is it really that important? Like, why is it an essential? Let me, uh, let me start with a text from Colossians on that. Uh, as I've been studying this to teach it to our youth group, um, I saw something in, in Colossians chapter two that I made a connection I'd never made before that Paul makes between um, unity and knowing Christ. And so in chapter two, let me read a couple of verses here. Verse one, it says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Right. So if we think about the logic of that passage, Paul's desire is that their hearts would be encouraged and that would happen simultaneously with being knit together in love that, that would, that's one of the ways that you are encouraged. Your hearts are knit together. 
but no, but the very next phrase to reach all the f- riches of fullness. That's a purpose or a result to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So how, how do you reach the full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You do it via being knit together. So if you, if you want to experience the depth of a, of a close, tight relationship with Jesus, where you mine those riches of wisdom, you're going to need to do it in community. Yeah. That's like a prerequisite for Paul. That's similar to what Ben was saying earlier about what is community from Ephesians, what, three and four there. I think yeah. very similar language that if we're going to measure, you know, attain to the measure, the stature, the fullness of exactly. Christ, exactly. we yep. need each other. Yep. You know, it's not just a, a good idea. It's actually the way Jesus designed the body to work. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think related to that, but perhaps a, a little bit of a different reason why it's important is um, as a safeguard to protect us against spiritual failure. Uh, or, or, you know, burnout as a believer. Um, you know, I, having been here a few years, of course, uh, had opportunities to be involved in crisis counseling. And one of the things that we've observed just even in a few years of being here is that the people normally who reach a crisis level in their marriage or their relationship with God, their view of what's going on, normally don't have good community in the body of Christ. So when you ask them questions about, okay, what, who are some other brothers and sisters who know what you're going through and who are praying with you and relating to you? Normally that answer is, is zero. So, you know, way I've kind of thought of it is, you know, uh, either you can get involved in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ, or you can get involved in crisis counseling. Uh, you choose, Uh, you know, and I think there are enough scriptures that would talk to us about the value of the the church holding each other accountable to pursue the gospel and and Christ-likeness. I think like all of the commands in the New Testament regarding community assume that you know other people and are around them. You wouldn't need to forgive other people if you weren't around them. (laughs) You would need to forbear with people if you were never around them. You would need to love them if you're never around them. All of these commands are assuming that there's a group of believers who are around each other enough to get to the point where Paul would need to remind them, this is what it looks like to live together. I think even like going off, you know, we've been going through Hebrews here at Colonial and Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 10 talks about um, you know, considering how to stir up one another to love and good works, um, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like, what does it look like to hold fast to Jesus? What does it look like to trust in this high priest? What does it look like to trust in the Jesus who's better than everything? It's not just me, uh, you know, going off into a corner and doing my own thing. It looks like encouraging other people, provoking them to love good works, encouraging them. Um, those kind of things have to happen with people that you know. You don't just walk up to someone and provoke them to anything good. Like, yeah. <laughs> usually if you do that, you're provoking someone to something bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there it's just assuming that, that brothers and sisters in Christ are relating to one another in deep enough ways where these kinds of things can happen. And that's community. It's getting mm-hmm. to know each other enough to where I can say to someone, hey, 
I want to provoke you to love. Yeah. <laughs> I want to provoke you to good work. I want to encourage you. Um, and so that looks like meeting together. It looks like talking, getting to know each other, bearing each other's burdens, submitting to one another, preferring one another. All of those things that the New Testament talks about the body of Christ doing assumes that there's community. Um, and so to me, it's like, that's why it's essential because without community, the New Testament image of a church doesn't make sense. How can you do what the church is called to do in the New Testament if you don't have like the relationships that it assumes you're having? Um, so I, I think it's like really important to what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Ben, what you were saying, even even the concepts of forgiveness um, and forbearing with one another assume not just being around people, but actually being committed to one another. You have mm. to go on with each other. Mm. That's why you would need to forgive. Otherwise, you could just split ways and never see each other again. Mm. Um, or you wouldn't have to forbear with people because you just split ways and go, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But it assumes that you're committed to one another. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, one other warning. You mentioned, Brent, a warning. My mind goes to another passage in Hebrews. Pastor's been taking us through Hebrews, so <laughs> we're, it's all on our minds right now. A few warnings there. But earlier on in chapter 3, uh, the author says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. When I read that passage, my heart is instantly convinced I need other people. I yeah. don't want to be deceived by my sin yeah. where my heart becomes hard and I, and I decide to disbelieve God's promises. Yeah. And so I think in, on, on a warning side, sure. we, need, we need others. Yeah, we could go through every one of those Hebrews texts, and uh, <laughs> normally in those warnings, there's something about uh, the you know mutual commitment to one another in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was thinking of a few positive reasons too, like why community. And one thing that's on my mind is uh, the impact that vibrant community can have on outsiders. Mm-hmm. So I want to mention this in two ways. Like one would be guests who visit our assembly, our gatherings, let's suggest that, you know, in some, some of these that they're, they're believers and, you know, there's a sense in which we share community with them as well. We may just never have met them before. Now they're, they're, they're with us during our services or coming to some of our Bible studies and maybe they're in their homes with us. And, uh, I don't want us to underestimate the, uh, the impact that vibrant community can have on guests. It encourages guests to stay and want to be a part of this sort of brotherhood or sisterhood in in Christ. Uh, so, in you know, we have a membership matters class going on right now. And uh, last week, as I was talking, getting to know some of them, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we have an outdoor service right now, so like, you know, that makes it a little hard to demonstrate community to one one another outdoor in a field you know, six feet away from each other, but uh, some, some guests who were considering joining our church said, we just have been observing after the formal gathering, the way people talk with each other and they, the way they relate to one another. And we can see that people uh, know each other, they love each other, they wanna be, and that had a dramatic impact on these guests, I think, for the sort of people we get to Colonial, I think what might attract them is the text of Scripture. We're a text church. We love text. 
maybe grace, the doctrine of grace. But I think what will keep them here mm. is vibrant community and connection with people in Christ. Uh, so that sort of guess to think of. And then I think of unbelievers. Uh, you know, community is important for dynamic evangelism. And uh, we'll probably get on this more in mission, but I just think we are stronger in our witness and in the impact we make in evangelism when we're doing it together, when we're praying for each other, when we're helping each other reach neighbors. And so I think it's a key. I think community is a key for this, you know, nurturing, you know, some sort of dynamic evangelism where we just see people coming to know Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it's not just to the lost either. It goes even further in Ephesians to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Yeah. They're going to see the manifold wisdom of God yeah. as the church. Yeah, the cosmic it, testimony there. The yeah, church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Really and again, that doesn't happen powerful. if in the church we're all segmented up by the other no. common interests we have. Like, that doesn't yeah. sound very thing, wise. Right, the <laughs> thing that makes impressive. this kind of community compelling to the, the title of that book is the fact that people who would never get along outside of church are able to be brothers yeah. and they bear with each other. They forgive each other, love each other. And you can have stuff in common with people too, but they can see that there's a bond that transcends everything else. And, and people are drawn by community. I mean, you look around yeah. at the different human institutions that we've created right. and that draw people. It's a sense of community. It's a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, um, a sense of like placement, I belong here. Mm -hmm. And, and that's because we were born with that relational like desire to fit in and to know people and to be known. And I just love the fact that the Bible gives us like the gospel gives us that with people that we could never have that with naturally right. on our own. And it gives right. us that communion with God first mm -hmm. off in salvation where we're co-heirs with Christ and it's like, all right, citizens like, of heaven. Now we yeah. get to know like this massive family yeah, and we get to grow together and we get yeah. to experience that belonging, that blessing mm -hmm. of belonging is the one Getty him talks about. Um, and we get to enjoy the fullness of that community. Yeah. Um, Dever and Dunlap give an illustration, in their book, which to me was impactful. They just asked the question, you know, uh, what's the best way to warm a room, mm. to heat a room? And they use that, that's remember that illustration yeah. of coals of, you know, embers, you know, is it to spread all the different pieces of coal or embers across the room mm. equally, or is it to bring it all into one location? So there's greater strength to the, the heat. And so I, to me, I just think we can accomplish far more in evangelism and mm. in other areas like, like we're describing if we're doing it together. Mm. Uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. All right, any other thoughts? We'll, we'll come back to this. This is the first of, I think, two or maybe three episodes on community. So hopefully, you know, our point today was to share with you where we get it from Scripture and why we think it's important. And hopefully you've been um, won over or encouraged in thinking about community. And next time we're going to talk more about community, specifically how we pursue community and maybe how we pursue community right now in this current pandemic season. Um, and then, you know, we're going to really look forward to looking at that together. So thank you so much for joining us on the Church Essentials podcast. Um, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. So we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much for joining us.